If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to the Empowerista interview series on business rock stars. I'm joined right now by Mahisha Dellinger. She is the founder and CEO of Curls Beauty Brands. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm so inspired by your story, read all about it. I can't wait for you to tell the Empoweristas about it. So if we could just start from the beginning, if you could give us an overview of what your background is and how you got to where you are today. Sure. So, you know, my background is very, very diversified. Um, great experiences that have shaped me and molded me into the woman I am today. Uh, grew up in Southern California um, and actually wind up going, being the first to graduate from college um, from my family. And I went on to work for Intel Corporation, which I had an amazing time at. I had learned so much. Um, but then I ran into a little bit of a hiccup with one of the managers that uh, was helping on getting rid of me. And that moment was a light bulb moment because it was so stressful knowing that someone controlled my financial destiny for that moment. I'm sure I would have found another job at some point, but it was so incredibly stressful that I said I would never again be in that position. So I wanted to work for myself from that moment on. It was a six month ordeal that um, changed my my shift and my, my mindset on entrepreneurship. It wasn't something that was in the cards for me, I thought, until that happened. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to pick back up on your story, but I want to interject and say I think it's so interesting because often people think that they get so much more security mm. in a nine-to-five, especially when you're in an executive position as you were. But really, a lot of times there's more security in building our own thing because we're more in charge of our destiny. And it sounds like that's how you felt. Absolutely. But, you know, I always say... Don't quit your day job. So I did not. I kept a job. I went on a Pfizer Pharmaceuticals, which was more flexible. I could see my doctors doing part of the day and come home and work on my business, the latter part. Um, and because you want to keep money coming in for your livelihood, your household, and invest every penny you make in your business back into the business. So I'm, a, I'm not a gambler. I like to play it safe. So while I knew that it would be advantageous for me to have my own business, I had to make sure I had a proof of concept that the money actually could be made and sustainable. So I kept that job for so long, longer than I probably should have. Yeah, there are two different schools of thought. A lot of people are like, oh, you got to burn the boats and you got to take risk and just, you know, only rely on yourself. And that's how you're really going to make it happen. But for some people, that really doesn't work and they end up getting in a bad position. Absolutely. And and so much pressure to make something work versus just kind of letting it organically unfold when you don't have that pressure of it supporting you immediately. So, Agreed. so you didn't have to do that. You came up with your minimal viable product. So tell me a little bit how you did that. Well, I actually hired a cosmetic chemist uh, and we started with four products, very small e-commerce site. Um, it took about nine months for us to do the, the research and development back and forth until I got them where I wanted them to be. And then we launched. 
Awesome. And I know that there was a specific inspiration because there was a void in the marketplace for African-American women and curly hair. So tell me a little bit about this void that you really wanted to tap into. Wow. Yes. Well, back in 2000, the early 2000s, um, there were a lot of women going back to their natural hair texture versus relaxing. Women of color. So that's Latina, African-American, Asian women no longer relaxing, but they needed now products to care for their natural texture. And there weren't many options. So I decided, I was also newly natural as a mother, um, and I wanted to find a solution for my hair, couldn't find one, and I created one. That's how most businesses that are successful actually make it, by meeting an untapped need. Yeah, and and how do you test it to make sure, okay, just because it's an untapped need, whether or not we need the solution or not is to be determined. So how did you test it? Well, that was a lot of, obviously, R&D processes. Mm-hmm. So focus groups, family members, friends, sampling. And I started small so that all the edits I needed to make were done on a smaller scale. Mm -hmm. So before I went large and was exposed to all the different retailers. So I made lots of changes from launch to year four. And speaking of, you have gone large. You are a successful business and you do a lot. You're now an author. You're a host of a show on OWN. First of all, congratulations. Thank you. So cool. And I know that now you're giving back to female entrepreneurs and you want to teach them how to be successful and in particular become millionaires. Yes. Which, which unfortunately, there aren't as many women millionaires as, as we we want and there, right. there will be thanks to mentors like you. So why do you, why do you think that there aren't more? women millionaires? You know, that's a good question. I think it's um, the lack of information, the lack of resources and access to what we need to take it over the threshold. Um, That's the purpose of what I do because now that I made it, I think it's my responsibility to help another person come after me. Um, And I really enjoy it. It's like, it's easy to do so. Like if I have the information, why not help? And we need more of that. But also we need more, I think, strategic um, and intentional uh, networking amongst us, the women who've made it with those who are looking to come up with us. Um, That's important to really be sisters in the process. Mm -hmm. So in addition to mentorship, what do you think are some of those key factors that allow a woman to scale her business into a million dollar plus business? Planning, number one. I see a lot of lack of planning. Failing a plan is planning to fail. You have to have a roadmap to where you're going to go and where you want to be. So that's the number one thing I saw across the, um, the, the spectrum of everyone on my show. Lack of plans. And people were just out there doing their business, but not really intentional enough about what they were doing. That's number one. Number two, you have to be scalable. So that means we need to make sure that you have the infrastructure in place to grow. Because if you have two packers um, in your warehouse and your product-based company, and now all of a sudden, you know, you get $5 million worth of orders, you can't scale that and you're going to lose business. So planning and having scalability is super important and getting a mentor that's been there and done Mm -hmm. that. We hear that all the time, but it's super important. Everything from saving money on your bottles, caps, components, If you go in as a single entity, you may spend triple the amount you need to versus going in with someone who has a relationship and that can actually show you, no, you should spend 12 cents on that bottle, not 50 cents on that bottle. Mm -hmm. So those are kind of things that if you go it alone, you can miss out on. Give me an example of the intentionality that you are talking about. Are you talking about specific goal setting? What's an, an example of an intention maybe an entrepreneur could make? 
Definitely goal setting, like I said, planning, business and marketing plans, getting a mentor, having a structure, having a team. Sometimes we just strike out. I have a great idea. I'm going to strike out and see what hits on the wall, what sticks. I'm going to throw it against the wall, see if it sticks. That's unintentional. That's kind of just gambling. That's just being ad hoc about it. You have to really have a plan in place and know what you're doing, know your competition, know what your difference is against the competition, know where you're going to go in five years. What are you going to develop the next two years? Like really putting your time and your mind, your efforts to really honing in on the business and knowing what it is. Yeah. So I know that you grew up in what you describe as a rough neighborhood. So how did this upbringing inspire you, motivate you in general, just influence who you are as an entrepreneur? (laughs) 110%. I think I know that my grit, my determination, my sheer will has come from where I grew up because I was you know, raised against all odds with every odd stacked against me growing up. Um, I don't take no easily a no. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll take that as, okay, not now, not no forever, and I will find a way to get to a yes. When you have always constantly had to fight to get to anywhere you want to be in life, this world and this this whole entrepreneur path is easy breezy. I love it. That's amazing. I think you may be the first entrepreneur that has said that it's easy breezy. Compared. All yeah, things considered, yeah, yeah. compared. If my level of stress is today, growing my business, what's my next product, engaging with the buyers to get them on my side, to pick my products, to put them on a the shelf, um, having bad years, going back high, that's better than where I came from, hands down. Well, that perspective is probably really helpful because I think that fear often slows people down. Mm. And when you can say, hey, the worst case scenario isn't that bad. Like, it's not as bad as what I maybe once went through. Right. Then that probably gives you a level of optimism and perseverance that a lot of people don't have when they start their businesses. Yes. And if you're enterprising, you'll never, ever worry. Have to worry. You may worry, but you shouldn't. If you're enterprising, you'll never be broke. Business rock stars. Remarkably, in the last decade, and I've said this many times, and I've learned from it, 95% of my success is on Shark Tank of the companies run by women. And so, and you know, I don't want to start gender warfare. I'd give money to a goat if I could get a return. Right. I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. But the point is, they're doing certain things that I've learned mitigate risk. They set very achievable targets. They're extremely focused on time management skills. They're very protective of their brands. They work very well with social media. There's a whole bunch of things. Mm -hmm. So I generally speaking have been investing the majority of my capital in new startups with women just because the returns have been much better. Here is some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or if you sign up for a plan that you're just not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. It's the affordable alternative to health insurance. And it's worked beautifully for 25 years. 
They have more than 400,000 members now around the country. MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry. And over the years, members have shared over $3 billion of each other's medical bills. So they could help share your needs too. And best of all, you could save a lot of money with MediShare. The typical savings for a family is about 500 bucks a month. Your savings could be more or less, but think about what you could do with that extra money every month. You're not stuck with a high-cost health plan. You can join MediShare anytime, so call them today and check it out. Here's the number to find out more, and there's no pressure. They are super easy to talk to. Call 844-91-BIBLE. That's 844-91-BIBLE. 844-91-BIBLE. You should... Welcome to the Empowerista interview series on Business Rockstars. I'm joined right now by Mahisha Dellinger. She is the founder and CEO of Curls Beauty Brands. So, okay, so tell me about how you did end up choosing to leave your job when you were in a full-time mm-hmm. role. How did you know it was the right time? Because it went, goes back to what we were saying, where there's different schools of thought about right. when is the right time to leave. Well, I am of the school of thought, like I said, don't leave your day job until you know you can sustain your business and your family. So I did, I think, a little too long. I think it was like four years in, maybe longer. But I knew I had to do something when I couldn't do both anymore. And I had enough, okay, I have four years of, 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 of a proven track record. I can do this. So I'm going to leave in December. That was the year that I decided. It was June. I'm going to leave in December. I'm going to put my notice in and leave. And I actually got a month or two later a notice that Pfizer was doing layoffs and that they were going to be laying off a lot of people with the severance package. I was probably the only person that prayed for it. I'm like, please let me get laid off. <laughs> and I was laid off because they were overstaffed. And I got paid to leave when I actually already put it on my vision board to leave in December. Oh my gosh, Destiny. It worked out in my favor. I was super happy because I now had extra money to put back in the business. And it was easy breezy. But from that point on, it was a faith walk because mm-hmm. I had something always to fall back on. But I, did, I still worked hard even when I had that corporate job. I still wanted it to be successful. And I just ramped up even more so after I left Pfizer. Wow. Okay. So you were full time in a executive position. Sales. Oh, in, okay. In, for, in for sales. Pfizer. Sales. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm going to start that sentence for her okay. editor. Um, so you were so you were full time and running a business. And were you a mom at the time? Yes. I actually had an eight year old and then a one and two year old. Wow. Okay. Yes. So for a lot of women, Crazy. there's a huge fear around work-life balance and not being enough in all different aspects of their lives. So do you have any advice for these women when it comes to juggling so many things as you were at that time, and I'm sure still today? Yes. Well, hands down, your partner, your life partner really matters. I could not have done it without my husband. I know it. We And we also had help. We had a nanny, of course. But my husband helped to pick up balls that I would drop while I was trying to grow the business. And it was a partnership. So I always advise people to be careful and, and marry well. And that doesn't mean marry money. It means marry a person that's going to support you. Mm-hmm. Because because your success will be determined on that relationship because either they support you and they help help you flourish or they won't and you can actually, that can be your demise. Yeah, that is so, so true. Yes. So what other advice do you have for aspiring female entrepreneurs? The biggest thing I always suggest and require when I mentor someone, 
do your due diligence before you come and speak to me about getting help. I need you to know your business in and out, your industry, your competition, and really understand what you're getting yourself into. Number two, if you're a product-based company, don't go into retail out the, out the gate and don't approach it yet. Build your sustainable base before you want to or even pitch a business retail outlet because if you don't do well, you will lose your shirt. Mm. That's very important. Also, live below your means. A lot of us will get that first big commission check or that big payout and go spend it. Live below your means and reinvest it. Reinvest everything back into your company and until you can sustain your business, your family, and also have more money in your bank account than you do in the value of your home. Mm, such good advice. And it's such a fine line between building slowly and not taking enough action. And, and I loved the couple points in there where you're saying, really, really do your research. Don't rush the getting into retail. Right. So any advice when it comes to finding that sweet spot of growing slowly, but not too slowly? Well, you know, every business is different. Uh, so they'll have a different path. But when you are growing it organically over time and you have a base, you'll see the engagement socially. You'll see the sales return that continue to grow up and up and not the other way. Those are things you'll see where you know I'm on the right track. Mm -hmm. And those buyers out there, all the major retailers are watching businesses on the move. So you, you can get in this day and age, actually call a LinkedIn email from someone. Um, so just mind your business, get down to it, work hard, keep your head down, look what's around you, but really hone in on, on that goal. Um, and when you, before you know it, you wake, look up and you've achieved your success and your goals. I love that you said, mind your business, the name of your show. Mind your business with Mahisha. By the way, to have a show on OWN, that's amazing. Had you ever wanted to do TV work? How did this come about? What's it been like? Well, you know, I've always wanted to be on the Oprah Winfrey Network on her show yeah. as a guest. Yeah, that's but, the dream, I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, so I switched <laughs> up. I thought, okay, I put on my vision board for like five years, be on the Oprah Winfrey show. And then the show went away. And I'm like, darn it, usually my vision board items come to fruition. And then I got a call about the show. Um, to answer your question, no, I never really wanted to be on TV beyond pitching my brand. Um, but this happened because I have been helping women already uh, behind the scenes without really talking about it you know, in front of the world. But somehow one of the producers understood and knew I was doing that for a few different reality stars, helping them with their mm -hmm. businesses. So that's how my name got thrown in this pool. And that's how most TV opportunities come about is someone's naturally already doing something cool and TV worthy. Right. And TV might not even be on the radar, but right. a producer catches wind. Right. And I love that you were flexible with this vision. I mean, it's equally just as great of a vision to have your own show on OWN right. versus being a guest on the Oprah show. Right. And so so great that you were able to be flexible and still have this vision come into fruition. And, you know, you, you alluded to the vision board a couple times now. So it sounds like that might be a little secret for you that that more women should do is create yes. a vision board. Do you swear by the vision board? Oh, I do. I do. I really do. Like every year I make one and it's really important to see it on the wall. It's always in my office and I have a two sided family and business. And I always look at it, and I, there's something to know what I need to accomplish for this year, what I look to achieve this year. Um, and, and it's all pictures, visuals, for, pictures, typical to like cut out from a yep, magazine? Yep, bigger, like probably the size of the screen, uh -huh. and front and back, 
business and family. So their words, their pictures, their, a lot of different images. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So cool. Well, congratulations again. You are such an inspiration Thank to you. all female entre- entrepreneurs and really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm Alex Worley, and this has been Business Rockstars. What are some of the most common mistakes entrepreneurs make when starting a new business? I'm Alex Worley with the Business Rockstars Minute. Talk to any entrepreneur and they will share their mistakes like battle scars. Mistakes are something all entrepreneurs have in common. And here are a few common mistakes that every entrepreneur has made at some point. Number one, money. New entrepreneurs don't spend enough money because they simply don't have it or they aren't spending it wisely. Number two, not setting attainable goals. Many entrepreneurs are wrapped up in their big idea rather than focusing on a plan to execute the great idea. Number three, thinking you can do it all yourself. This is a recipe for burnout. Mentors are great to go to for advice as you're building out your team. Mistakes are part of the process. As an entrepreneur, learn from some of these and don't repeat them. I'm Alex Worley, and this has been a Business Rockstars Minute. Freedom doesn't start in the White House. It starts in your house. Here's Helen Kreeble. Most of us remember our childhood best friend. The bonds we develop early in life teach us the value of friendship, and many of those bonds last a lifetime. Yet there is a debate in many American schools about banning the very concept of best friends. Some say it is exclusionary and mean that it leads to clicks for some, while leaving others out. But the truth is that having good friends matters, and the ability to build relationships is vital to success. Schools cannot change human nature. Is it really their job to dictate social relationships or to worry about who likes whom? Kids need to make friends. That's healthy. And it's just not that complicated. For more, check out our podcast at lensofliberty.org. This is Business Rockstars. Rockstars. This is Business Rockstars. I'm Mark Lack, and we're here to inspire, inform, and connect a community of entrepreneurs. I've got my boy Jeremy Haynes in the house. He's Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The CEO <laughs> and founder of Megalodon Marketing. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, brother. Thank you, my man. Appreciate so, you having me. Tell us what you do. It obviously has something to do with marketing and you're a rock star at it. <laughs> so I run a digital agency, but we specialize in personality brand development. So okay. we take people who have real results in real life, commonly executives, entrepreneurs, just people who want to help others obtain a result commonly. And we create information products for them, tangible, intangible. So webinars, books, video series, online courses, universities, academies. And obviously we do all the marketing that coincides with that, all the asset creation. Okay. So, so it's really fun. Who's the client profile you specifically work with for this? Is there a range or is it anyone that wants to get into that? A great question. So it's commonly somebody who says, I've built a business or I've obtained a result and I, I have the desire and the know-how to teach it to somebody else. So somebody who's fluent and the ability to articulate something that they've done to show others how to obtain that result. So we put all this actionable data into something that's broke down on a granular level on more of like a step-by-step kind of blueprint approach. And a user or, or a lead, if you will, will come into that program and go through a process, if you will, just kind of grow into whatever it is that that result is kind of articulated for on the front end of the product. Okay. Um, so, so entrepreneurs, business people, just people have real results in real life. Yeah. Not these people who are like the... The frou-frou motivation, like the fake gurus and yeah, experts, yeah, the people like, who like listen to the experts and just kind of like okay. you know are, are like the fish underneath a shark, if you will, you know. <laughs> so um, people that actually have results, and absolutely. you teach them how to basically brand themselves, get their content out there, and monetize it. Absolutely. So okay. we we believe in the recurring revenue that comes from yeah. this and these systems that we're able to create for people. We've done it time and time again. We've come in, proven the model works, and it's 107 billion dollar online education space. That's the market wow. cap currently. So there's there's a lot of room to grow inside of it. So. You're young. Huh? 22. 22. Uh-huh. 22? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Come on. Come on, man. <laughs> okay, so give me a little background. You know, how did you get into this space? Were you somebody who was like up and coming young and you're like, man, I got to get on this online market and stuff? <laughs> Good question. Or did you have a job that you hated and you're like, I can never work for anybody? Well, uh-huh. Give me a little background. Paint the picture for me. All right, so I'll, I'll make it like short. I'll go through like the sequence, yeah. right? So I grew up in Ohio, in Cuyahoga Falls, uh, which... Ohio sucks. It's just like this great wall above it. Like people are very negative. Like, yeah. you know, no, no offense to anybody who lives in Ohio, but like it just, it just wasn't where I lived. It wasn't supportive. Right. Or maybe the people I was around weren't supportive. So anyway, at 16, I banked $60,000 in three months to a video production company. I didn't, I didn't like say a word. Like I was very low key about it um, because people still told me openly that I couldn't do what I literally just did. Mm. They'd, they'd tell me to go to school. They'd tell me to, to do all these things. So, you know, I'd made more than in, um, you know, that three month period of time than my parents did throughout a year. Mm. So it kind of turned me egotistical, right? Anyway, I knew I didn't know how to sell people. I knew I was egotistical at 16. And so when I was 18, fresh out of high school, I got into a sales job, moved to Colorado, was complacent for two years, got tired of being slow, moved to Miami beach had $125 in my pocket, sat on suitcases for three weeks, had a job selling phones inside of Costco. And I met a dude he gave me a job where I became his head of social media marketing. I was 19 and a half, okay. maybe 20. And who was the dude? Uh, his name was Peter Stein. And okay. he ran a company called Energy Saving Solutions. And I was his head of social media marketing because I was young, because I had the background I did in entrepreneurship. I, yeah. I just commented guys. So yeah. he just put me in his position, right? I grew to his head of marketing, which is a resume builder. And I get a call one day 
It's from Grant Cardone's recruiter. And Grant Cardone's recruiter goes, hey, we use this thing called Infusionsoft, which is a CRM. Yeah. And we have all these salespeople that use this system. And like all these people in it. And like, we just don't know, like, we don't know how to use it. Like we need train. Like you're an Infusionsoft expert, right? And yeah. I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. so I come in, I, I do the interview. Uh, you know, I, I get the job. And I worked for Grant Cardone for 13 months. So I was, uh-huh. I was his email marketing manager for three months. That grew into a digital marketing specialist. His database grew from 150,000 to 453,000. And the 13 months I was there, 25 salespeople were trained on how to contextually follow up with people based on where they're at in the sales process with yeah. his two products. And we generated a lot of revenue. We averaged about $1.8 million there for a few months as like digital revenue that was coming yeah. in through the online university. And that was with the help, of course, the creative team, sales team, Grant. But uh, it, was, it was an awesome time. I just became... Yeah aware of a skill and started my agency. (laughs) That's fantastic. I love that you painted the story for us. And it shows that you kind of had your hands kind of in the roots of it. You saw experience from going from one thing to the next, to the next. You didn't like you were saying, right? Just all of a sudden say, Hey, I'm an expert in it. You actually rolled your sleeves up. You did the work and you work with somebody that I think a lot of people know who he is. Absolutely. That was an entrepreneur gone. I I would not be where I am today if it wasn't working for Grant and like just becoming self-aware of the tangible skill of being a digital marketer. And then also being able to learn just how to run an actual business. If I, if I didn't work for Grant, I just obtained the skill of being a digital marketer. I would just be another guy marketing himself for Facebook ads or being able to do stuff from ad perspective instead of being able to come in and build an actual business. Build an actual business, which you've done by the age of 22. Absolutely. We've got the CEO and founder (laughs) of Megalodon Marketing, Jeremy Haynes, blowing my mind right now. This is Business Rockstars. I'm Mark Lack, and we're here to inspire, inform, and connect the community of entrepreneurs. I want to know from your advice, if somebody was going to get into the same space as you, what would be some practical steps to follow in your footsteps? You definitely want to get in. Because you've done it by 22. So they're probably thinking like, hey, I can do this pretty quick. Well, there's two things you can do. I mean, you can either go through like the hard knock experience of having to get because once again I don't advocate for people who don't have real results in real life you yeah. know so I I wouldn't tell somebody just to hop into the agency yeah. space you know they need to go out of their way and and like work into to getting clients and getting returns and getting results and and you know having a job where they obtain the skill itself and then getting into business but nowadays there is mentorship that you can seek and like I advocate yeah. for online online uh, courses of course yeah. so so I was just in Ty Lopez's SMMA program, which is his, um, you know, how to create a social media marketing agency. Yeah. So I, I taught people how to, how to sell Google PPC in that course okay. and other upsells associated with that. So there's, there's officially like online mentorship that you can actually scale yourself through others like Ty, myself, people like Joshua Earp, who, who have positioned themselves, Dan Fleischman, to give their own piece of expertise towards that one goal of becoming an agency okay. owner. So I, I definitely advocate for that. Okay, fantastic. And the question is, is how does somebody know if an agency model is the right one for them? versus now, just going out and creating maybe a different version of supplementing the same thing, but mm-hmm. versus like, let's talk about that. Maybe the difference between being like a marketing consultant and actually yep. being an agency. Good point. So a lot of people, and I actually have people that work for me right now. Like one of, one of my digital marketers was like this, where um, she's an expert. She's um, very reputable in the market right now. Like you could go look up her name and you'd be able to see that she markets herself very well. However, once she started generating clients and, and getting out there, she didn't want to handle you know, accounting and admin and support and, and day-to-day client communications and everything that goes with running the business. She just wanted to deal with, you know, getting the results and doing what she loved. She didn't, she didn't realize that she kind of fell into having to run a business, yeah. right? So in my opinion, it comes with a hard knock experience because as soon as I started, I realized there was a lot of opportunity in being able to do the other things that I had done historically yeah. or would be able to have through strategic partners um, that come in and work these massive deals with us, right? So um, from that perspective, it's either you know, being able to deal with the business management and hiring business development specialists to help you out or just 
you know, sticking with whatever you love and kind of like joining underneath something else that can support you. You know what I mean? I got you. What do you think has been one of the hardest things? Because I think it's fun to talk about success. I know you've achieved a lot of success <laughs> as, young, yeah, yeah, as a young person. But my question is, is the failures. What do you think has been like a big yeah. failure or obstacle you've overcame? Um, so I would say, I mean, I've had three failed businesses. So okay. it's, it's not like I haven't gone into business before and just completely failed. Most of the time it comes from lack of effort. There's been a few times though, like let's, let's use my agency as an example. I've, I've grown into over half a million dollars in under a year of running it in, in the 11 months we've been yeah. in business and that was net profits. But that came from consistently hitting ceilings and then having to work through issues that would have held us back if I wasn't able to staff or hire mentors or, you know, just kind of fix where I was weak at while I was going into affluence to maintain affluence, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, common failures in business have really just come from lack of effort and just, you know, obviously like financial withdrawals during those times, but yeah. you know, those, those build us into the best of ourselves. You know what oh, I mean? That, sure. That's what allows you to be uh, motivated and uh, aggressive you, in the market. How do, you build, how do you build the team around you? Because I think mm-hmm. when most people think about an agency, I love how you break it down because it's, you make it sound so easy. So how do you get the people around you yep. so that you can lock in the deal and then you can essentially say, great, here's my team that's going to do this stuff. Do you hire them? Do you train them? Do you find people that are already doing the work that you can yep. bring in? So depends on the position, right? Because some positions are people that I know mm-hmm. that I've worked with historically okay. that might be able to fill a hat that I need inside of my agency that I know can grow into other roles. And so it's like a relationship basis, right? majority of my team comes from already being experts, already having results, already being something themselves. And that model where they necess- they don't necessarily want to keep themselves in business to handle everything. And they want to come in and work with somebody. So, so all 18 people that work for me right now, they're all underneath me as, as W2 employees and staff. Yeah. But that being said, it, it's come from, I mean, me getting referrals from other people, me going online, having the social media presence that I have to be able to say, Hey, I need an expert to come in. Like who can I hire? And then um, those people sometimes come in house. Other times it's just been maybe my office building. I find somebody yeah. that I've, I've one employee like that. Um, they come from all over. You just, you got to keep your eyes open. I had a, I had a guy the other day, $3.2 billion man tell me that one of his best people that he had ever hired originally came from a Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Hard so workers, I, right? You, you, you got to be able to see them when they come. You know what I mean? <laughs> you got to be able to see them when they come from a billionaire. Uh-huh, that's right. <laughs> so what do you think is one of the biggest mistakes? I know you work with a lot of different entrepreneurs of all you know, levels of success. What do you think is a big mistake, a common mistake you see a lot of entrepreneurs make today? There's a lot. There's a lot. It could be in the online marketing space. Could just be in general. If we're, if we're going like as, as big as we possibly can, I I think it's really just undermining like what you need to do in the market to really get and keep attention on yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. This is one thing Grant taught me is as direct mentorship from him that, you know, attention's our greatest asset in business and obscurity is our greatest problem. Mm -hmm. Meaning we always need to retain the ability to get attention and keep attention. Yeah. And I really think people undermine that. Like people in business really try to either not, not stay low key, yeah. but you know, their activities in a day aren't geared towards things where they can stop and get attention along the way. And I feel like a lot of people lose tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in business, depending on what they do from undermining things that are currently available to us. You know, um, it's kind of like having, you know, a hammer and nail in front of you and you need to get something on the wall, but yeah. Uh, you're looking around for the hammer and nail when it's right in front of you, right? Yeah. I think uh, attention is essentially the essence of the first step of marketing oops. is in order before you can educate, before you can have a call to action, before you can do any of that stuff, mm-hmm. you have to first get people's attention. So absolutely, I love that you brought that up. I think it's a very viable asset. Mm-hmm. Somebody says they want to follow you on social media. They want to hit you up. They want to learn more about your marketing. We're going to do that. Um, the Jeremy Haynes. Uh, okay. And then on my, on my Snapchat, that's the only one that's different. That's the life of Haynes. Awesome. Well, brother, appreciate you for coming oh, on the show man. and rocking Come it. On, man. Thank Business rockstar, right? <laughs> hey, Jeremy Hansen. <laughs> this is Business Rockstar. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Stars, I'm Mark Lack, and we connect a community of entrepreneurs. Maybe you'd like to be a part of it. You can join us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at businessrockstars.com. An entrepreneur has so little time to convince anyone they are the real deal. Here are some ways to help you pitch your business. I'm Alex Worley with a Business Rockstars Minute. Number one, be prepared. The way you conduct yourself when the tough questions come flying from all directions can determine the outcome of your pitch for better or worse. Number two, get to the point. With adult attention spans maxing out anywhere from eight seconds to 20 minutes, presentations that fail to capture interest immediately and sustain it through the critical parts have a slim chance of winning. Number three, be real. We've all learned lessons, turned around a bad situation, and found inspiration in other success. The powerful messages we learned from these stories are what make a business pitch real and the pitcher trustworthy to an audience. I'm Alex Worley, and this has been a Business Rockstars Minute. Products require an online physician consultation and are only available if the physician determines a prescription is appropriate. Subscription required. See website for full details and important safety information. Hey guys, good news. The outrageously expensive little blue pill is now generic, which means you can get the prescription medication to treat ED at affordable prices. And Hems makes it extra affordable. You pay just 30 bucks for a month's supply. And right now, get your first online doctor's visit totally free when you go to 4 slash joy. That's right, free, zero copay, no expensive appointments, no awkward face-to-face conversations to get your prescription. Hims connects you to doctors online who can evaluate you and, if appropriate, prescribe your ED medication. And a pharmacy sends it right to your door. Hims makes it affordable, private, and incredibly easy. Nobody likes dealing with ED. Now, thanks to Hims, nobody has to. And that's really good news. To start your free online visit, you need to go to this exclusive address, 4 slash joy. That's 4 slash joy for your free online visit. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash joy. This report is sponsored by Milk. Love what's real. For many people, a new year means a new diet. Many popular diets eliminate entire food groups and can fall short on nutrients you need. Instead of jumping on that bandwagon, experts suggest consuming real wholesome foods like real milk. Real milk is naturally nutrient-rich, offering a unique nutrient package that is difficult to match in a single food or beverage. Manuel Villacorta, nutrition expert.
Health is not a diet plan, but a lifestyle. That's why I recommend a balanced diet, including protein, fruits, vegetables, and dairy. Real milk is a simple way to get nine essential nutrients, including eight grams of high-quality protein. It even plays a role in some of the top diet trends. For example, if you're counting calories, you can easily swap a skin or low-fat milk for full-fat options in your latte. So, don't ditch dairy in the new year, and learn more about milk's nutritional benefits at... Business rock stars. How to develop a personal and professional brand on social media. I'm Alex Worley, here to help us answer that question. Carlos Gill, he's a social media strategist, so you're going to have a wealth of knowledge in this area. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so first of all, who needs both a personal and professional brand? Everyone needs a professional brand. You got that? Brand. Everyone. That Everybody. You. There, there, there's no question about it. Social media is a very noisy ecosystem today. And if you are going to stand out, if you have any chance, whether it's promoting your business or you as an individual, you have to have a personal brand. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Wow. And the reason I'm sure is because people ultimately buy from people and they don't want to just engage with a brand. They want to engage with people behind that brand, right? You absolutely got it right. People relate to other people. And one thing that's been lost about social media over the years is the, the key word is social. You have to socialize. And let's think about it. When most people wake up in the morning, they don't go online on Facebook or on Twitter to see a sponsored post from a brand. They go online to check their Snapchat or check their Facebook to engage with their homies. So with that being said, if you want to have any shot at reaching the audience that lives out there, whoever the audience is, if you want to have any shot at reaching them, you have to be much more personable. You got to be their homie. You got to be their homie. Snapchat especially is one of these platforms where you're speaking to an audience that's much younger than what you find on, say, Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter. You're speaking to a millennial, someone between the age of 13 to 35 years old. And if you want to have any shot at gaining their trust and gain their interest, most importantly, you have to be personable. Just right hooking consumers with sales offers, buy from me. That doesn't work. This is social media. And it's the year 2017 where the demographic and the consumer has become much younger than what we've seen in the early days of Facebook. Totally. Okay, let's break this down, though, on what that means. Does that mean that you have two separate accounts, one personal account, one professional? Do you mix the two? What do you advise as far as that goes? So I get asked this question all the time. And my answer is you should have a presence for you as an individual and you as a business. And the reason why is because people, consumers, they want to have an inner glimpse of who you are as an individual. Let's say that you have a startup. And you are going through the process of raising money or hiring talent, building the product. People want to see an inner glimpse of that. That's essentially what's going to help build loyalty around your startup or around your company. Whereas the company content is more focused on, let's face it, why you should buy from us, why you should do business with us, and why you should work for us. So is there ever a time that it's okay to post personal things on the company account? There's a very fine line between that. And so yeah, describe how we go around very, that line. There's a very fine line. So I see companies all the time that, for example, they win, they win an award and they have a happy hour and they're celebrating. That's great because break it down into, into these categories. Why do I want to work for a company is of interest to talent that's looking for employment opportunities. 
and why do I want to do business with a company? So if the content you create can answer one of those two categories, then go have at it. But if it's just going on social media, pontificate on a personal level, whether it's about the industry that you're in or whatever it might be, that's more of content that should remain on your own personal social network. And I've seen many successful CEOs, even at big brands, like you see T-Mobile, their CEO, John Ledger is very active on social media. And that's more of an extreme example, if you will. But it's an example that any CEO or any executive out there can go ahead and follow to see, here's how I still can maintain my own independence online, separate from my company. And of course, it's case by case, you know, depending on how personable your brand is, the size of your company, there may be more wiggle room as far as you as the individual, the owner of the company can be on the company's account, right? Absolutely. And it goes back to what we said before, people buy from people and people trust people. And ever before social media came out on the scene, business has always been predicated on relationship building. So someone sees content that you put out and they see, for example, that you are a family man or you're a mom and you have children and they see your hobbies. That's a way that consumers out there can go ahead and relate to you. And if you tap more into the personal side, what's going to happen is people are going to say, wow, this person is relatable. I see things in common with them. And they also happen to run a business. Let me see what they do and let me see how I can potentially help them. And that's something that's lost, I think, in today's day and age, because so many folks out there see social media as an outlet for marketing and advertising. And they think, how can we get as much content out there as quick as possible to drive as many sales and as many new new customers without realizing that it's actually community and not content is king in this whole mm-hmm. ecosystem. And you need your customers to like, know, and trust you. So this is such a fabulous way of doing that. But I know a lot of people watching and listening are probably going, okay, great. So I'm going to start this personal account, this personal brand. What the heck do I post? So can you speak to that, please? Yeah, so the first thing is choose the networks that feel comfortable for you. And once again, I get asked, should I be opening up my Facebook to a business audience? Should I be using Instagram? Should I be using Twitter? So the first thing is, whatever network feels comfortable for you. I personally use Facebook as a business social network. For me, Facebook is an extension of LinkedIn. If we can go out, and this is my philosophy, if we can go out at a conference and have drinks at the hotel lobby bar, we can be friends on Facebook. If we can go play a round of golf together, we can be friends on Facebook. And once you start opening yourself up to what you do on the weekends, what you do after hours, the people you hang out with, what you'll start doing is very quickly, you'll start discovering that there's a lot of folks out there in the business community that you have mutual friends with, which is the terminology used on Facebook. Same thing happens with Twitter and with Instagram. So I would recommend anyone out there that's a little hesitant, a little nervous. If you're going to be on these platforms, start opening yourself up, start showing what you do when, when it's not always about business. Yeah. And I know a lot of people who have two accounts on Facebook. So maybe the more personal things that they just want to share with their inner circle, they share on one account and then they have a business account. Would you advise that? I see this happen actually in real estate a lot where a lot of real estate agents out there and brokers, they have a Facebook page set up for the business and then they have a personal account or personal profile in which they share content from the business account over the personal. At the end of the day, it it's really comes down to how much time and bandwidth do you have to leverage all your social channels? Mm-hmm. Me personally, I'm someone that is balancing Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, email, website, you name it. So I personally am not a proponent of having Anything excessive extra? pages yeah. that you don't need to have. Just have it all encompassing in one. 
Thank you so much Thank for you. your time. My guest, Carlos Gill, he is the social media strategist, and we are here to inspire, inform, and connect community of entrepreneurs. I'm Alex Worley, and this is Business Rockstars. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're here to inspire, inform, and connect a community of entrepreneurs. I'm Alex Worley, and this is Business Rockstars. Joining me, Gary Tuck. He's the co-founder and CEO of Simply After School. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So first of all, tell me what is Simply After School? So Simply After School, it's an online app that allows schools to offer awesome after-school programs by taking care of the admin side of things. So collecting payments from parents, uh, gets rid of paper marketing brochures, it allows them to view their rosters or wait lists in a couple clicks, uh, as opposed to spending hours and hours of trudging through Excel spreadsheets or pen and paper sheets. And that's what we do. And you wouldn't have known that there were so many pain points in after school programs if it weren't for working in that industry prior. So yeah. tell, tell me about some of those experiences. So my brother and I, we've been uh, in the after school industry for over 10 years. We saw our first after school program in 2007 where we quickly saw that after working with several schools, we needed to automate the way we collected payments and viewed rosters and communicate with parents. So we developed our own software. And from there, we scaled up to be one of the largest after-school programs in LA uh, and then turned that into an, a national award-winning uh, children's education franchise. And then over the years, we've communicated with a lot of schools and a lot of parents, and they've told us the heartache they've had of either trying to manage their after-school program or sign up for one. So we developed Simply After School to help both schools and parents. And I can only imagine that disrupting an industry and anytime really you introduce technology to a group that isn't used to using technology in this way, I'm sure yeah. that there are certain obstacles and maybe a little resistance. So what yeah. were some of the obstacles you experienced? So there's two different types of customers that we have. So there's a little bit of a changing of the guard that's happening at schools. So some of the people that currently manage after school programs, a little bit old school. So I think that's the best way of saying it. So they're a little bit resistant to moving towards technology, but we're having a lot of younger teachers, a lot of younger program directors that are coming up from a position of, I need an app to help me do this. Yeah. Or I know Make the benefits. Make my life easier. Yeah, yeah, I know the benefits of going paperless. So we have that interesting dynamic between some of our customers uh, need to be walked through a little bit more. 
as opposed to the other ones that just kind of jump on and start using it uh, yeah. in the next minute. And you started in Los Angeles and then yeah. you've since expanded. What yeah. was the key to that growth? So the key to the growth was having a goal and then just kind of working back from that goal and figuring out how we needed to get there. So we always knew that we wanted to be national and there were several steps that needed to happen in order for that to be the case. So first we started out local, then expanded throughout the state, then the Western region, then central, and then to the East Coast. And now we've actually been able to expand internationally. So we have a couple of schools and organizations in Australia, in the MENA area. So Dubai, England, South America, Canada, that's also using the platform. Yeah. And it may sound so obvious, yeah. but starting small in one city and expanding, I'm sure proved to be really, really helpful versus looking at the big picture and yeah. just trying to attack it all at once. Right. Yeah, exactly. So when you move across the country, there's a lot of different things that you need to adjust for. From the simplest thing, customer service. So if you want to provide good customer service to somebody on the East Coast and your company's on the West Coast, it's a three-hour time difference. Mm -hmm. So you have to make sure someone's in the office at 4.30. Or, you know, if you're on the East Coast and your customer's on the West Coast, make sure you have somebody that's in the office till nine. But on top of that, marketing dollars can only go so far. So when you're a smaller company, you really need to spend wisely. And if somebody's trying to attack the country, spending $10,000 to do that isn't really going to work. Yeah. So as you expand to new schools, obviously they can use the app. How do you reach these new schools to get new customers? Yeah, so that's, that's actually an interesting question. Um, because it's an online company, obviously we want our customers to find us online. So there's several different things that we do in order to attract them. But there's also things that we do to reach out and grab them. So we're trying to develop a resource that allows schools to find the information they need in order to actually run great after-school programs how to set up policies, how to develop your pricing, how to market your programs. So we're the number one content developer for these types of activities. So schools go online trying to find out what they need and they come upon us, which has been really okay. helpful. Yeah. Nice. And tell me about your brother. He's the co-founder, right? Yes. So how do you guys work together? So we work together really well. It's taken us some time to figure uh -huh. out what his role is and what my role is. We complement each other's skills very well. So we're each able to focus in different areas of the company. And it's actually been wonderful working with my brother because it's not often that you have a business partner that from the get-go, all your goals are aligned. So his success is my success and my success is his success. Mm -hmm. So we're able to work well knowing that whatever I'm trying to do or whatever he's trying to do, it's for the benefit for the both of us, as opposed to just having a partner that, you know, he has his own life and he has his own family. We work as one unit. Yeah, because that could go one of two ways. Yeah. So it definitely wanted the better way for you. That's awesome that it's yeah. working out because a lot of people advise you to never work with family. Yeah, and I think it's just based off communication. So I mm -hmm. think if somebody has bad communication skills or bad communication habits, whether you're working with family or a friend or somebody you just met, it's just not going to work out. So we've really developed techniques in order for us to work well together. What are some of those techniques? Let's hear about um, them. So you always need an arbiter. So you need somebody that's... Uh -huh going to help you know the middleman yeah you need a middleman you need to have a mentor somebody that you can run things by and you need to actually divvy up tasks so a lot of people if they want to start a company they're control freaks which means that you don't want to let anybody else do anything so if you're going to have a partner you need to be comfortable giving them or allowing them to do what they do well and focus on what you do well and when you start stepping on people's toes especially if it's two co-founders people start to get a little 
Yeah. So, so what are those individual roles that you take on versus that your brother takes on? So he works more on the day-to-day operations side of things. And then I work more on the development of the company long-term. So we spoke about this earlier in order for somebody to grow as a company or in order for a company to grow, you develop long-term goals and then you figure out actionable Mm -hmm. steps in order to make that happen over the course of a day, a week, a month, a year. So that's how we work well together. So while he's working on those actionable steps, I'm busy developing the long-term plan. Got it. So are either of you the tech-savvy brains behind this, or do you outsource that? Um, so we have an engineering team. Neither one of us uh, are coders. But when we first developed the program, I worked with the engineers to develop the infrastructure of how we wanted to grow the platform. And uh, he was always the the guinea pig. So he was the one that isn't that tech savvy that we said, if he could use it, then we'll have a successful <laughs> yeah. platform. That sometimes is a debate whether or not you should get a co-founder that can code versus yeah. hiring somebody to do that. But obviously it works well for you guys to hire yeah. people that code. Well, so I have a very good understanding of it. So good. while I won't sit down and I won't code myself, I understand how to develop uh, the system in order to make sure that the end product or the end result works. So very familiar with designing wireframes and things like that. As far as putting this over here or that over there, that's not my specialty, but that's why you hire people or you work with people that are better than you at certain things. Mm -hmm. And how many employees do you guys have? So we have about at this point, 22 full-time, part-time employees. And in what different roles? What Uh, So we have marketing, we have sales, we have engineering, uh, we have development and customer service. And did it take some time to, to build that team? Yeah, for sure. Always, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I think a lot of companies, when they start out, they try to just grab a bunch of people to do sales. So they try to grab a bunch of people to do uh, customer support. And they never really developed a framework for how those people are supposed to work in the company. So somebody that raises $20 million and goes and hires a bunch of salespeople, chances are... 50% of the salespeople will fall out within six months because they don't know what they're doing. Mm. A quarter of those people that are left will underperform. 50% of the people will do okay. And then you'll have 25% that are rock stars. So you need to know that. And if you just focused on working on a good sales process, you could actually not lose 50% of your sales force. That just kind of is money being thrown out the door. So build your foundation, your infrastructure first, yeah. and then bring on a team. Yeah. So tell me what went into building this great team. So uh, what we first did was we decided what areas of the company we needed help in. That's one of the hardest parts about being a CEO or a leader is seeing what your shortcomings are and what gaps need to be filled. And then the second thing is, what is that team responsible for? So is your sales team responsible for developing new leads? Are they responsible for marketing? Are they responsible for giving customer support? If not, who is responsible for those things? So we developed very specific guidelines in which we wanted our team members to perform. And then we tried to find people that could perform really well in those specific areas, as opposed to just trying to find 20 jack of all trades. We wanted people that are really good at doing something and then just bringing them on board to do that thing. And a lot of times in startups, people look for people who are a jack of all trades, but in your case, you found it better to specialize. 100% because then you get the job done well Mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to bringing somebody in that could do a bunch of little things and then having to find replacements for each one of those things that they do as you grow yeah yeah so 
And if you could slowly but surely build a team of people that are on the same page, then it's easy for the company to grow with that culture, as opposed to just trying to force people into uh, into a peg, you know, into a, mm-hmm. a circle hole if they're a square peg. It's about finding people that work well with the company. More when we come back with my guest, Gary Tuck. He's the co-founder and CEO of Simply After School. And we are here to inspire, inform, and connect a community of entrepreneurs. I'm Alex Worley, and this is Business Rockstars. Here is some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or if you sign up for a plan that you're just not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. It's the affordable alternative to health insurance. And it's worked beautifully for 25 years. They have more than 400,000 members now around the country. MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry. And over the years, members have shared over $3 billion of each other's medical bills. So they could help share your needs too. And best of all, you could save a lot of money with MediShare. The typical savings for a family is about 500 bucks a month. Your savings could be more or less, but think about what you could do with that extra money every month. You're not stuck with a high-cost health plan. You can join MediShare anytime, so call them today and check it out. Here's the number to find out more, and there's no pressure. They are super easy to talk to. Call 844-91-BIBLE. That's 844-91-BIBLE. 844-91-BIBLE. You should... This is Business Rockstars. Rockstars. to inspire, inform, and connect a community of entrepreneurs. I'm Alex Worley, and this is Business Rockstars. Joining me, Gary Tuck. He's the co-founder and CEO of Simply After School. And we were talking about how you built a team and a great one. So what's the key to hiring good people? Actually, like finding these people that you're looking for. So you know your goals, but then how do you fill in the spots? So the way that you fill in the spots is by coming up with a very specific job description. Mm-hmm. So you know exactly what it is that they want to do. And then you develop a hiring process. It's kind of like a sales funnel. So you develop a hiring process that's going to bring people through the system that one, tells them what your company does, what you expect of them, and what they should expect of you, and whether or not your personalities mesh. So even though somebody could be great at doing something, they might not get along with company culture. And that makes a really big difference. So if you just figure out steps and put those in place, when you bring people through that funnel, you'll end up with really good people. It's not 100% yeah. of the time, but it works most of the time. Yeah. So speaking of company culture, how would you describe yours and how do you create it? So I think that it comes from the top down in the sense of we develop a methodology in which we want the company to work within. And then we try to bring people on board that fall within that culture. Mm -hmm. So it's not just us coming into the office, being excited about what we're doing every day. It's the other people that then come into the office and are excited about it. So I'd say that our culture, it's it's really fun, free flowing, and just try to be innovative and try to be simple with everything we do. Do you have a strategy for being innovative? No, we just try to think of what's cool. So uh, we, we have a board that if there's an idea or if a customer comes up with an idea, we try to write it down and we try to work it into either a, a feature breakout or, you know, how do we give them this tool? Can they do it the way they're doing it with our system now? We're always trying to improve. And if we're not doing that, then eventually we'll become outdated. So I think we just have the mentality of we're not where we are 
we're not where we want to be. So in order for us to be there, we need to continually change and grow. Love it. Hmm. And investors are not a part of your team. Tell me why you made that decision. So it's always enticing for people to say, oh, here's 100,000, here's 200,000. It's hard Um, to turn down money, right? (laughs) It is hard to turn down money. But what you need to realize is what am I going to do with the money? So is it cooler to say, oh, I got $100,000 because somebody loves my business? Or is it better to say, huh, if I had $100,000, I could do this and it would take my company to X. So if you don't feel like the amount of effort that you would need to put into the relationship that you have with an investor or the amount of time you would have to put into dealing with anything revolved around getting an investor, because there's lawyers and there's paperwork and there's things that you need to do, it might not be that great for you. So if you're at a point where, you know, you could get an investment firm to put in a million dollars and it's going to take your company from generating five, you know, five million gross to 20 million gross, that might be an amazing investment. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to collect a hundred thousand dollars to take a company that's doing, you know, $10,000 to a hundred thousand dollars, that's a waste of your time. So you want to make sure that the money you bring in is not only worthwhile, the equity you give them, but worth the time that you're actually going to be spending with that Mm -hmm. investor. So what are some of the benefits to not having investors? You can do things your way. Mm -hmm. It's definitely. So you value that obviously more than. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a CEO. I have an ego. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) so yeah, I want to be able to do things my way. Mm -hmm. I'd like to be able to do things on my time. Um, It's not to say that investors don't work. Um, but when a company's young and it's continually developing who it is or what their place is in the industry, it's tough to bring on somebody else that has now a pretty big say in what you're doing. So when somebody gives you money, they have a say, no matter how much money they're going to give you. So whether it's a friend, family member, or a VC, um, they're going to tell you what they think you should do. Yeah, so it gives you more freedom to stay connected to your vision. Yes, Exactly. Awesome. And to be clear, you started with $5,000. So yes, you're self-funded, but it's not that you had to have all this money yourself yeah. to make this company successful. So tell me about some of those beginning stages, how you turn $5,000 into a lot more. So what we were able to do is have a really good plan. And I'm not talking about a business plan. I don't believe in business plans. We okay. just kind of sketched out what we wanted to do on a napkin. We started the company. A napkin. A, yeah. Do you have that framed somewhere? We don't. We didn't realize that it would it would mean something one day. Oh man. Yeah. We were just we on one Sunday we were sitting down and we were just trying to develop a business model. So we wrote something down crudely on a napkin that we thought was a good idea, and we just went for it. So on Monday we quit our other jobs, and then uh, we just started calling schools and started uh, you know hitting the ground running. Wow. So, so you actually had to turn it into something because you yes. quit your jobs. Yeah. Did that feel risky at the time or did you have enough of a cushion where no, it I was think, okay? Yeah, I think we were young enough uh, and able to do it. You know, my brother's married. I'm married. We both have kids. I think now would be a little bit of a different story. Right. But if you have the time, if you have a little bit of background in what you're trying to do, and you're passionate about it and it's not a bad idea, then it's worthwhile doing it. It's not for everyone. Right. And I'm sure there's something about having that pressure to make money that almost helps you because you're thinking from the perspective of how can I make money the fastest? For sure. I think that people that focus on the pressure of making money cut corners. I think that's how a lot of companies start offering their customers poor service or poor Mm -hmm. product. I think when people are passionate and have a drive and feel the stress to offer the best product, 
I think those companies grow faster. And that was your strategy. Yeah, and those Mm -hmm. companies are more successful. I think it's a mentality thing. I think everybody at the end of the day wants to make money, but I think what it really breaks down to, whether it's a successful company or not successful company, is if they have the stress of, we want to be better than everybody. Like nobody should ever be in our category. And if somebody wants to join this industry, they should think twice. I think that's your driving force. Okay, I love it. And time management is a big component in in being successful. So tell me what your strategy is for that. Especially when you first start a company, there's a billion things to do and you don't have the team yet and you don't have the income. So you have to pick and choose your battles. And there's only 24 hours in the day. No matter how late you stay up, there's still 24 hours in a day. So you need to have a really solid to-do list of, I'm going to do this at this time, this at this time, this at that time. And you have a couple breakout sessions in the day that allow you to not only breathe and not kill yourself, but allow for whatever else is going on in the day-to-day to be taken care of. So, you know, don't always check your emails every second. Schedule a time that you're just going to check your emails And then as your emails start to pile up and you need to start giving support to a lot of your customers, start thinking about hiring a support staff. Mm -hmm. So that's how you figure out what you need. And it's all based around having good timing and and figuring out what can I do today? What do I need to do tomorrow? So that in a month, this happens. Okay, I like it. Thank you so much for your time and all this amazing information. Really appreciate it. My guest, Gary Tuck, co-founder and CEO of Simply After School. We're here to inspire, inform, and connect a community of entrepreneurs. I'm Alex Worley, and this is Business Rockstars. Laughter relaxes your audience. This is Orrin Claff with Pitch Anything, showing you how to close like the pros. Laughter relaxes your audience. People laugh at three basic themes in life. First, at others making bad decisions and mistakes, especially when it's a person of authority. The second reason people laugh is to release emotion or high tension. But the easiest thing to laugh at and about the only kind of joke that works in business and professional situations is the element of surprise. One way professionals create surprise and lighten up a meeting is they put an extraordinary person in a normal situation. The point is, this tax stuff is time consuming and boring to most people. But I'm one person, a regular accounting sales guy that loves seeing accounting done right. Let's complete the order and get you guys on to something a little more exciting. Laughter relaxes your audience. This is Everything Entrepreneur. I'm Warren Claff with Pitch Anything. This is your Tech It Out Minute with Mark Saltzman, brought to you by Asus. Feeling stressed? Well, there's nothing better to unwind with than a massage. But what if you're relaxing on a beach or in a garden paradise? Well, that's what you'll get with Escape's Immersive Relaxation VR, a virtual reality. Mika Jackson is the owner. We use very high-end massage chairs, and these are not the massage chairs you see like at the mall. They do things that a traditional massage therapist can't do. Like they can massage your shoulders, your legs, and your your neck all at the same time. While you are seated, we put the VR headset on you. Once you're in the VR headset, you're literally in another world. Tropical beaches, a cabin in the snow, and we have 10 different places that you can be in as you receive your massage. More is at myescape.com. That's escape with a Q. And to have your product featured here, tweet me at Tech It Out Radio. That was your tech... This is Business Rockstars. Rockstars. We're here.
here to inspire, inform, and connect a community of entrepreneurs. I'm Alex Worley, and this is Business Rockstars. And I am joined today by Nav Athwal. He is the CEO and founder of Realty Shares. And you have such an interesting story about cutting the cord, going from your nine to five, I'm sure it was a little bit longer than that, in real estate, and then starting your own company. Tell yeah. me about that journey. Well, first and foremost, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, uh, welcome. The, the, the journey of starting a business is different for everybody. There's no sort of rule book. And I think that's mm-hmm. the one thing to kind of keep in mind. But the journey for me was just really surrounded around passion, passion for something that I could innovate and create with realty shares. And it started with me kind of working as an attorney in real estate mm-hmm. and getting the buck, joining forces with someone I'd met in school. And we both wanted to change how real estate and real estate investing worked and, and wanted to use technology to do it. So I uh, started working nights and weekends, essentially, while I was still an attorney to start thinking about the idea, cultivating it. So it was really definitely not nine to five. It was sort of nine to ten. Because you days. basically had two full time jobs. Yes. You were doing your job as an attorney and then you were starting this company alongside of it. Yeah, exactly. So you're doing your day job and you're coming home and you're working on your passion. So it was two jobs. And really, I think what keeps you going, though, is this belief in, in the vision and mission for what you're trying to create. So I think uh, it was very difficult. I and mean, ultimately six months after doing the two jobs, I, I quit because I felt like that was a good point in terms of where the company had gotten to really go at it full time. Um, but the journey was really just a lot of hard, hard work, perseverance and passion and belief around what you're creating and what you're trying to disrupt. So that's really the, the backstory. Yeah. And it was really that innovation that allowed you to start this company. Were you just always kind of paying attention to the trends in real estate and what needs there were? And is that what allowed you to come up with the idea? I'm a, I'm a passionate real estate guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, it's but a hopefully good a good thing. thing. Uh, good. Passion's good. So I'd spent a decade in the real estate industry. Mm-hmm. I started my career as a real estate broker, actually. So I was helping people buy homes and apartment buildings and then transition into real estate law. So I had a really good glimpse into the real estate market. Obviously, was in the market because I was passionate about mm-hmm. it. But also, after 10 years in the industry, you just you realize how inefficient that market really is. It's a massive class measured in trillions, not billions. But there's so much that can be improved upon how people buy a home, finance a property. So, yeah, it was those experiences. Plus, my former background as an engineer that allowed me to kind of look at real estate with the lens of there's a lot better improvements we can make to this asset class and just provide a better experience for customers, tenants, buyers, sellers. So, yeah, it was that experience that allowed me to kind of see the, 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 the improvement areas. Yeah. And when you were working those basically two full-time jobs, you, I'm sure, were just totally busy. I'm sure you're still very busy. Do you have any tips or secrets on how to be more productive? Uh, so I always, it always goes back to, for me, even today to kind of mental health, right? I think when you're working, you can, you can work 24 hours a day, right? You can just give up sleep and there's so much to do, especially when you're starting a business that you can be working all the time. But a lot of times the ability to kind of be productive and, and to really be able to innovate, create takes a lot of mental health. So I think taking breaks you know, getting exercise, doing the things that entrepreneurs often forego because they think it just detracts them from running their business. It's so important. Um, I always like to say, sometimes you have to slow down to speed up. Like if you take that break, then when you are working, you're going to be so much more productive. That's exactly right. So, so I think really what helped me is one is a good support network. Having a wife that really was supportive and was okay with me leaving a six figure job to run a startup on, Mm -hmm. on, on, on ramen and uh and two is just having balance even when it seems like you it's impossible to have balance because you have just so much to do 
you've got to create that balance. Otherwise you're just not going to be as productive. I mean, even now with realty shares kind of as a 70 plus person company, every morning I get up and I go to the gym, right. Or I'll do yoga or do something that gets me not thinking about realty, realty shares. And I just am so much more productive for it. And what about organization tools? Do you use certain apps or what kind of tools do you recommend to aspiring entrepreneurs? I'm not the most organized guy. So I'll just, that's one of my, not my strong suits, but I definitely have gotten better at it. Uh, So I use a tool called Asana. It's basically project management uh, software. It started by one of the early founders of Facebook. Um, And it it provides me with essentially a checklist of the most important things I need to get done that day. The other thing I like to do is get to what I call inbox zero every night. So emails, I think I've lost count of how many hundreds of emails I get every day now. But being able to get through those emails every night and starting the next day without a lot of the carryover allows me to start the day a bit more fresh and, and really focus on the more important things rather than getting bogged down by email. So those are two things that really have helped me be more productive along with just being mentally healthy. This is Business Rockstars. We're here to inspire, inform, and connect a community of entrepreneurs. I'm Alex Worley, joined by Nav Athwal. He is the CEO and founder of Realty Shares. Now, how would you describe your leadership style? So empowerment is, mm. I think, the, the, the good word to describe it. And I think there, there's a couple different pieces to empowerment. I think there, it's, it's sort of a mix of accountability and autonomy. So, you know, with autonomy comes accountability. So really being able to lead first by example and two, trusting the folks that work for you, right? Being able to give them enough autonomy where they feel like they have a runway to make decisions without being micromanaged. So uh, one thing we talk about a lot at Realty Shares is empowering others. And I don't think that only is restricted to the internal employees, but also our customers. What we're allowing our customers to do is be empowered to invest in real estate in a more efficient way or get financing in a more efficient way. And so using the same concept of empowerment for employees and in leading through empowerment and through autonomy and giving them a support as needed, but not micromanaging them. I think that describes my leadership. You delegate. Yeah. De- delegate, yeah. But, but it's not just delegating because you can delegate and then you could still be in the weeds at every right. corner. Right. So you can delegate you have to at a surface delegate level. And then trust and, and let to, go a little bit. You have to bit. delegate trust. So you have to delegate trust and then be there to support. I think those mm-hmm. are the three critical pillars to really allowing employees to be set up for success, but also feeling like they have the ability and the autonomy to make decisions. Yeah, absolutely. So who would you say gave you the best advice? And what is that advice? Uh, One of my early mentors. So one thing I think is really critical for early entrepreneurs is surround yourself with really good mentors and advisors. I'm a first time founder. Mm -hmm. Um, I know what I don't know. So having that support network helps. So one of the early piece of advice I got is um, hiring. Make sure you spend a lot of time on hiring the best people. I think we've done a really good job of establishing a very strong team of different uh, backgrounds, but one that is, fits really well and is very collaborative. So I think hiring and taking the time to hire the best people, I think there's a, a common saying, hire slow, fire fast. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's very true. But hiring, I think too often, a lot of entrepreneurs focus on talent exclusively, right? I want the smartest people in my company. But I think they often overlook the EQ elements of, of an employee, right? The collaboration, the cultural fit. Do they fit within what the company is and what it stands for? So early on, I did make uh, mistakes in hiring people that are very smart, but were also pretty destructive to the company mm-hmm. or toxic. So I think hiring for both elements is very critical. But just spending time on hiring and cultivating talent and making sure you're building, bringing the best talent in both elements, IQ and EQ, is very critical. How do you measure EQ when you're hiring? 
It's very hard. Right? Yeah. And, and I think, so what, what we did was we established a set of sort of core principles for the company. And it was after the company had been around for about a year. And we said, okay, what is this company starting to feel like in terms of culture? What is it standing for? And we came up with a set of principles that we said, okay, these are the three or four things that really matter to us as a company. And then essentially being able to bring those into the interview, right? It's, it's very difficult, even with defined core principles, but you can ask some questions once you have a defined core principle or, or cultural element that you, you can use to spot things that would either say, oh, wow, this person could really fit within the company's culture or wow, this person is, uh, could be a disaster. But part of it is just, you don't know until you start working with somebody, right? And that's the whole fire fast, right? If someone, you made a mishire that happens all the time, don't let it linger because if it's a cultural issue, it could be very destructive and you could lose a lot of other good talent as a result. What's your take on working from home? Do you let your employees do that at all? So we have a what we call a flexible work environment, mm -hmm. um, meaning people, different people come in at different times. There's no sort of set. You have to be in here at eight o'clock or nine o'clock. Engineers tend to come in a little later, <laughs> but stay later. And, uh, you know, salespeople come in earlier because they need to get on the phone. So we're, we're not very strict around your time in the office. We care more about impact than, mm -hmm. than uh, FaceTime. But work, so with the working from home and the distributed teams thing, I've been sort of a opponent of those things. Mm -hmm. um, distributed teams, because uh, one thing that that employee will miss if they're not in the office all the time is, again, that culture, right? That being fitting within the company as it's growing, startups change quickly. So I think you lose that. Um, and the, the second thing you lose is the collaboration, right? A lot of decisions are made um, in real time when you're sitting down and saying, hey, let's go grab lunch and talk about this product issue. And there's nothing quite like FaceTime. It's much different when it's over email when you're trying to collaborate. Yes, I mean, there's a lot of great tools out there. We use Slack, we use you know email, obviously, um, so, but there, there's just no replacement for face-to-face mm -hmm. -face time. With that said, um, there are folks that will work from home once in a while and, and or work from home once a month or once every few weeks. We don't prohibit that, but I think it's harder to really build the company you want to build when everyone's scattered and, and working from home and in the office, et cetera. So. Definitely. So who would you say are some of the other key leaders in your company that you just could not run it without them? Oh my gosh, every, every all the leaders. <laughs> so our chief product officer, Simon Morris, he's a very seasoned product person, but also data and engineering. He essentially, him and my RCTO, Gene Lineski, run the tech and product side of the house. I'm not a technical founder, I, although I was an engineer in a past life. So having someone that can supplement your strengths, that's the, when you're building a leadership team, you want people that can do something better than you can. So what I've been able to do is hire people that are much better than me at various things. And I'm proud of that, right? I, I'm not intimidated at all by that. So um, Gene and, and Simon run the tech side of our house. And that's such an important part of Realty Shares because we're a tech company. We're creating efficiency through technology. Another person that comes to mind is, is uh, our um, head of sort of capital market sales, Javier Benson. He was our fifth or sixth employee, and he's done such an amazing job growing with the company and becoming better at every step. So he's my right-hand man and uh, couldn't live without him. Couldn't run the business without him. And if you forgot anyone, he's sorry. He yes, appreciates and there's others you. too. It's like that the Oscars <laughs> at the end. That's why I don't want... Thank you, everyone. Yeah, everyone's great, but those are just a few folks that come to mind yeah, immediately. Yeah, absolutely. But we have a great team. Well, thank you so much to my guest, Nav Athwal. He is the CEO and founder of Realty Shares, and we are here to inspire, inform, and connect a community of entrepreneurs. I'm Alex Worley, and this is Business Rockstars. How would you like to learn the secrets to engaging followers on social media? Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and LinkedIn. Become an influencer. 
Business Rockstars is lifting up the kimono and giving you the secrets to social media. And it's free. Join us for our Social Media Startup Bootcamp, a live online event Thursday, March 2nd, 10 a.m. Pacific. Go to businessrockstars.com. Learn from Rockstar CEOs, including Leonard Kim, who will teach you how to become an influencer, Jennifer Puno, Instagram social media ninja, and SEO and social media guru, Austin Hay. The Business Rockstars Social Media Startup Bootcamp. Engage and grow Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and LinkedIn social footprints. Click, like, share the Business Rockstars Social Media Startup Bootcamp live Thursday, March 2nd, 10 a.m. Pacific. Go to businessrockstars.com and sign up now. That's businessrockstars.com. Prescription products require an online physician consultation and are only available if the physician determines a prescription is appropriate. Subscription required. See website for full details and important safety information. Hey guys, good news. The outrageously expensive little blue pill is now generic, which means you can get the prescription medication to treat ED at affordable prices. And Hems makes it extra affordable. You pay just 30 bucks for a month's supply. And right now, get your first online doctor's visit totally free when you go to 4 slash joy. That's right, free, zero copay, no expensive appointments, no awkward face-to-face conversations to get your prescription. Hims connects you to doctors online who can evaluate you and, if appropriate, prescribe your ED medication. And a pharmacy sends it right to your door. Hims makes it affordable, private, and incredibly easy. Nobody likes dealing with ED. Now, thanks to Hims, nobody has to. And that's really good news. To start your free online visit, you need to go to this exclusive address, 4hims.com slash joy. That's 4hims.com slash joy for your free online visit. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash joy. You shouldn't have to choose a random lawyer who charges expensive hourly rates when you need legal help. But the legal system is so complicated, what other choice do you have when you need help with your business or want to protect your family? Start with LegalZoom. They make it easy. For more than a decade, they've provided a way for regular people like you and me to confidently navigate the legal system. LegalZoom's not a law firm, and that's how they provide such great value. They don't rely on charging you by the hour. Instead, you'll get transparent pricing and customer reviews so you know exactly what you're getting up front. If you need help with incorporation, LLCs, trademarks, last wills, living trusts, and more, LegalZoom's the smart choice. They've got the right people on hand to answer your questions. And if you need legal advice, their network of independent attorneys can provide the straightforward guidance you need in most states. Don't let legal hurdles become an excuse. Go to LegalZoom.com today to start building your own future the right way. To save even more, enter Rockstar. This is Business Rockstars. Rockstars. you leverage your passion to grow your company. I'm Mark Lack. This is Business Rockstars. We're here to inspire, inform, and connect a community of entrepreneurs. Joining us to help answer that question is Dallas Michael Sear. He's the creator of Ignite Purpose. Brother, how do we make that happen? You're a living example go, of this, go by fly the way. A kite. Yeah, go fly a kite. Uh, so, go fly a kite. <laughs> so what I mean by that is like I'm a huge proponent in doing whatever, genuinely whatever makes you happy. Live your life out of joy and out of choice versus obligation. So, you know, Ben Franklin, I say go fly a kite as a kind of tongue in cheek, but, and like Ben Franklin discovered electricity, 
right? Flying a kite. Like it's, Mm. it seems silly. Like how is that going to relate to me making more revenue? And this is especially true for men. Um, It's like (laughs) how to, you know, because we got, we want to be in our logical mind. Well, how does, how does me going to have fun and camping more and hunting with the boys more? And it's like, whatever your spirit is calling you to do, do that. Because the more on passion, you know, the more passionate and on purpose that you are, that will absolutely equate to raising your frequency. I'm a firm believer in you just need to feel good now. You just need to be in more joy now that will absolutely relate to how you communicate with the people in your office. It will absolutely relate to the way your clients actually see you. And I mean that both on a metaphysical level, a woo-woo level, as well as literally on a physical level, how they will actually see and perceive you because you will be in joy. You will be doing things that uplift you and inspire you, even if it seems uh, like it's not connected. Even if it seems like, why would I go on vacation or why would I go, you know, go learn that sport that I've been, or learning how to play that instrument that I've been dying to learn. And it's because whatever you're feeling called to do that you're holding back inside of yourself, it's a lack of self-love that is keeping you from receiving whatever it is that you're desiring, whether it's more revenue, whether it's the next team member on your team, whether it's the love in your life, right? You keeping yourself from having that joy around whatever that thing is is an energetic block inside of you that is blocking other things too. It's very counterintuitive that by having more self-love, being more passionate, taking time away from work absolutely. for those things, just because, it's somehow going to help you make more money and have a bigger impact. <laughs> absolutely. It's counterintuitive. So for the person who says, great, I understand that showing up in life, business, my health, mm-hmm. and everything... How I show up will be a direct reflection of how the the world is going to perceive me and the things I'm going to receive back. Mm -hmm. But how can people, like step by step, how can they show up from the time they wake up in the morning to the time they show up at work to the time they're done at work, go back home to their friends, their family, whatever that is, to the time they go to bed and start the whole cycle over. How can people show up more? Yeah. Because that's what it is. Being Leveraging your passion to grow your company is about showing up. Essentially, yeah. Essentially, yeah. it's a massive component. And I say, you know, start the day with you. Mm. So that's a big thing. Uh, we've heard it as like the, the you know, Hal Elrod, the Miracle Morning. We've yeah. heard the Hour of Power, Tony Robbins. There's multiple people yeah. who have spoken about making the, the first thing in the, in the morning yourself, making you a priority. And I absolutely believe that. Making just... So what I tell people is like, you know, I'm so busy, how do I? And you just begin to create space. So morning time is a great time to create yeah. space. One tip that I gave a client who was just hairy carry, uh, <laughs> that, you know, it, how, do, how do I create space when I've got two kids, my husband works, I'm building a business, I come home exhausted, and I started giving her the advice of creating micro breaks. So Every time that she would uh, walk into work or leave work or walk into the house or leave the house when she would go in the car, set a 60 second timer, 60 seconds and just sit and then start your car, 60 seconds and then get out of your car and walk into the car, Mm. 60 seconds. It can total up to four to eight minutes a day. Begin with that. Create the space. Because what I found is that when the voice became the most loud for me and I recognized the relationship that I was in was not right for me, the business and career path that I was in was not right for me and it was actually killing me. The friends that I was with were um, are amazing people, yeah. but we just weren't on the same connection and path anymore. 
when that happened was when I was on a five-star you know, hotel room on a balcony celebrating the biggest success of my career. And I had a moment where the, where the girl I was with was getting ready in the, in the bathroom. And I'm just sitting there taking it all in, thinking to myself, I finally did it. And within that space of just sitting there, finally slowing down with my eye off the goal for just one minute, it became abundantly clear. The voice spoke up so loud I couldn't ignore it anymore. You're not happy. Mm. And so I love that you said that for the people out there who say, I don't have the time to blank, you're saying it just takes 60 seconds. Creator of, exactly, create the 60 seconds. Create it. Creator of Ignite Purpose, Dallas Michael Sears joining us. And we're talking about how you can leverage your passion to grow your company. I'm Mark Lack. This is Business Rockstars. We're here to inspire, inform, and connect a community of entrepreneurs. And we've gone over some really good, simple, practical steps. I think the 60-second one is fantastic. Everyone has that. I do the same thing throughout the day because I've heard similar advice. And it's like, just take the time to take a few deep breaths. Break the space, yeah. Recalibrate. Just come back to you and get grounded. What are some other simple ways that people can leverage their passion to grow their company and just have a better quality of life. Yeah. Stop believing the lie. We, we have, we have this lie that we've been conditioned that there's these circumstances outside of ourselves mm. that are outside of our control. So I don't necessarily believe in control. So this might seem a little, a little yeah. uh, sideways or hypocritical. I believe in being like really opening up and creating space to be and letting divine spirit and creation come through and having that guide my actions because then I start creating from a place of ease and grace versus obligation and have to. We, we give motivation a bad, a bad name, right? It, some people think being motivated is, is somehow being inspired by, by, by somebody on stage who's going to give you the rah-rah speech and mm. get you to do something you don't want to do. Yeah, and to, to, to go to an event like that or right. to find motivation means that there's something wrong with me. Yeah, That's exactly. perception. Yeah, there's something wrong, right? Mm. And this person's going to inspire me to go do what I'm not wanting to do right now. So, so how can I do the thing I don't want to do? Motivate me. How, how do I get motivated? How can I, you know, and it's all about force and exercising your will. And it's all about, it's basically manipulation. How can I manipulate myself to do the thing I don't want to do? And my advice is don't do the thing you don't want to do. If you don't want to do it, then just don't do it. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Loved it. Loved it, brother. Man. (laughs) Thanks, brother. Pleasure having you on. I'm Mark Lack. This is Business Rockstars, connecting a community of entrepreneurs is what we do. You can join us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at businessrockstars.com. This information is given with the understanding that the host nor Business Rockstars is engaged in rendering legal, accounting, business, or other professional advice. Since the details of your situation are unique,